Good morning, everybody. Oh, oh, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We are starting a new series today called Empowered to Participate. And this series is going to be, it's not going to be like a sampling of the book of Acts. It's not going to be the whole thing, um, you know, verse by verse. But uh, I, I hope to get, uh, basically this series is going to, we're going to look at um, the vast majority of Acts that doesn't have to do with Paul. You know, so a good bit of Acts has to do with the Apostle Paul. We talk about Paul all the time. This, this particular series is going to focus on kind of the non-Paul parts, although there are going to be a couple of uh, uh, weeks that, that do kind of feature Paul. Um, but uh, real quick, I just wanted to mention where we are uh, in regards to, to, to Sunday morning uh, COVID restrictions and, and all of that. Um, yeah, I was uh, pleased to see the, the, the CDC make uh, the announcement about uh, lowering restrictions uh, this week. Um, as far as New Hope is concerned in our facility right now, uh, we are following our, the guidelines set out by the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland because they are our landlords. Uh, technically, we are still in what's called the orange phase, uh, but I did uh, see some emails this week um, that uh, should numbers continue to improve the way they are, uh, we should probably be looking to get into the, orange, uh, the yellow phase, uh, which would leave uh, like masks optional, uh, you know, in, the, in probably within the next month or so, but uh, I will keep you informed on that. Um, so last week, we finished a series called More Than Meets the Eye. More Than Meets the Eye was a uh, a resurrection series. It was an Easter series. As we talked about before, Easter is not a day. Uh, Easter is it's a piece of our identity. It really is our identity. In many ways, the church, the church of Jesus Christ, um, is uh, we are people of Easter. We're people of the resurrection. And so what more than meets the eye was, it was a series on, and we looked at Paul's words in, the, in, in Romans 8. Um, and what we did was we, 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 we talked about um, life in the resurrection, or what does it look like for our life to be defined uh, in the life, living out the life of the resurrection. And we talked about how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We talked about how all creation is groaning with eager longing for the glorification of the sons and daughters of, of, of God. Um, we talked about how when, when we don't know how to pray, the way we ought, when we, when we don't seem to have the words, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes with us for us with, with, with groanings too deep for words. I love how the ESV puts that. Uh, we heard from Jason Poling a few weeks ago who talked to us about how those who are uh, called are also justified, they're declared righteous, and those who are justified will, are glorified. Um, and then last week wasn't Pat Fossarelli awesome We'd love to hear from her, and uh, I hope to have her uh, back um, that, that this idea, uh, for her to share with us this idea um, that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. But what more than meets the eye was, was essentially kind of like, as I mentioned at the end of last week, more than meets the eye was kind of like the part of the movie where... Um, it, it's, it's like the beginning of the movie where you, you, you kind of see this, this picture of where things had gotten. Um, that, that, uh, or maybe like the beginning of like a TV show that was going to kind of be an epic. And you're like, you see the Apostle Paul, this man who was known for persecuting Christians, 
um, writing to the church who have now set up their operation or, or, or set up a, a church in the heart of the Roman Empire, in Rome, the Apostle Paul, who had been persecuting the church, is now writing to the church in Rome and, and writing to them um, about such things of magnitude like, like there's no condemnation for, Christ, for those who are in Christ. Um, and, and so now what we're doing is we're, 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 we're flashing back. We're flashing back to the to kind of the the the, the uh, back to to the resurrection, back to um, uh, just uh, the the days after the resurrection, uh, as we open up the book of Acts. And what the book of book of Acts is about is it, it covers about thirty years of history, thirty years of of church history from uh, from right after the 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 the, the book of Luke ended. Uh, Luke, Acts is a is a sequel to the book of Luke. Um, to about 30 years later uh, when the church finds itself in Rome. Um, and so um, what, we, uh, what we're going to do in Acts is we're going to see the church be, and the, the name of the series is Empowered uh, to Participate. God is about the, uh, the business of something in this world. And the church has been called not to be like bystanders. They're not called to just... Um, kind of see the things that God is doing. Uh, no, we are called to actively participate in God's work of cosmic reconciliation. We're called to actively uh, participate in God's restoration of all things. Um, imagine yourself uh, at, at Christmas morning, and uh, your uncle uh, shows up, and he gives you this really cool toy. Maybe it's like a remote control car, and um, you you. You are oh, so gr- grateful. This looks so cool. And he says, it is cool, but just wanted to let you know, I had to special order the battery. I had to special order the battery, and you're not going to get it for a couple of weeks. You're not going to get it for, for a little while. Uh, but you, you know, here's the toy. You can have it. Um, examine it. Think about it. Uh, wonder about what it is you're going to do with it. Um, but the battery is going to come in a, in a few weeks. I'm sorry it didn't come right away, but, but, but it's coming. You just wait kind of with that expectant waiting. And that's kind of what we're seeing in the beginning of the book of Acts is we're seeing the church in a season of expectant waiting. They know um, that, that something incredible has happened. Something incredible has happened in, uh, at the cross. Something incredible has happened with the resurrection. Um, the first fruits of God's new creation have begun. And now um, God is poised to, to call his church and to be the people of God for uh, this world. So um, it's, it's like we're, we're, we're actually going to see the batteries arrive next week. Uh, my friend Jay Davies is going to be here, uh, and I'm looking forward to him. We're going to talk about Pentecost, the, uh, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. But for now, we're going to look at this kind of um, the, the beginning, kind of the prologue uh, of the book of Acts. It's been said that Acts is... Um, it's, if you look in, in most Bibles, it, it, the, the title will say the Acts of the Apostles. Um, but there's always some like kind of you know, smart guy or lady or, or somebody like that when you study the book of Acts, because you know, it's really not about the Acts of the Apostles, it's about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, I, I agree. The, the, the point of Acts and the, the, the idea of what we're going to see today is that the Holy Spirit plays an incredibly important role um, a vital role, a crucial role uh, in the book of Acts. But you know what? How does the Holy Spirit typically, uh, in, in kind of the normalized terms, how does the Holy Spirit typically act? 
He typically acts through people, so he typically does act through apostles. So it's still just as true to call this the Acts of the Apostles as it is to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But we also see that, that, um, that, that it, you, could prob- you could just as easily say um, that what this, uh, this book is is the continued work of Jesus, the continued acts of Jesus. Uh, in, in, a, in just a second, we're going to look at this, the, the, the text at the beginning of Acts, and we're going to see um, that, uh, the, 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 the author, Luke, is going to tell us that in the, in the first book, in the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So the implication is that, that the, the earthly ministry of Jesus, the, 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 the things that are outlined in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, these are the things that Jesus began to do, but now in the book of Acts, even though Jesus in bodily form is going to be only with them for this first chapter, um, the, 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 actually the entire book of Acts is actually the continuing work of Jesus. So actually, you could call it the Acts of the Apostles, you could call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but it would be just as good to call it the Acts of Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. And this, I think, is the coolest thing. John 14, 12 says... Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. See, it's true to say that this book is about the Acts of the Apostles. It's true to say that this book is about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's true to say that this, act, this, this book is about the continuing work of Jesus Christ. But here's the funny thing. It's also just as true to say that this book um, is about us. It's about us. It's about the continuing work. This is about what God started, um, this, this church that, that God began to call a, a people called out, blessed to be a blessing, and the, the book, if you, if you read it through to the end, you know, it um, doesn't really have a great ending. Um, and the reason why it doesn't have a great ending is because it's still being told. The, the, the story of Acts is still being told through you and me, through New Hope Community Church, through the, any church, and the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that we just prayed for. That is the continuing story of the book of Acts, the continuing story of how God is acting in this world that he loves so much. So, Acts, chapter 1. In the first book, first book being the Gospel of Luke, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. He said, guys, John the Baptist, John baptized with water, but but you guys... You guys are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive those batteries. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we see a couple of themes already. This, the, the, this, this, um, this, this text is actually packed with a bunch of stuff. Uh, first, we see um, the mention of the book of Luke. 
that this is a sequel. Um, this mention of O Theophilus, um, a couple of different uh, thoughts uh, from scholars who, who what this means. Um, a large amount, probably I guess the majority uh, of, of scholars would say that Theophilus is a person. Um, that 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 Luke, uh, we the assumption is that, that this isn't um, this isn't a, 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 a signed document, um, but tradition has shown that uh, that Luke was the author of Acts and that he's writing to a person named Theophilus. Maybe Theophilus was um, his his uh, his patron, uh, the the person who kind of helped kept him in business. There's a tradition that sees Luke as a physician as a doctor, and perhaps Theophilus was the ones who, sub, uh, who kind of was, was, his, was his master, in a sense. Um, other people have said, no, that actually the, the, the name Theophilus um, just implies like a beloved person of God, and so when, when Luke is writing to O Theophilus, when Luke is writing to Theophilus, that we are all uh, Theophili, that we are all the beloved people of God, and that what Luke is actually doing is writing to all of us. So you can decide. Um, he says, uh, again, we talked about how Jesus is, what, what Jesus began to do. This is the continuing work. Of course, there was the mention of 40 days, which makes us think about um, exile. We think about uh, Israel being in the desert, kind of that waiting period. Again, this is kind of turning up the volume on an idea of uh, Israel being in a time of expectant waiting or the church being a time of expected waiting. Um, and then we get right up front uh, a mention of the kingdom, which is huge, uh, and that's going to come into play in just a few uh, verses. But probably the most important thing for us to see, uh, especially as we go from the Easter season into the Pentecost season, is that, that what um, Acts is going to kind of build on is this idea of the resurrection. Um, the resurrection is extremely important uh, right from the get-go. We see uh, Jesus presented himself alive to the disciples after his suffering by many proofs. I mean, Luke wants to ground his work in the idea that the resurrection wasn't just something that, that, that the church made up. This was not just a fairy tale that the church made up, that Jesus was dead and now is alive. So what resurrection is, it's the intersection of heaven and earth. It is the first fruits of of new creation. What we could say is that the book of Acts is all about God's space invading our space. And then what the church is, is an opportunity um, to, to create little pockets of the intersection of heaven and earth. And what the church is, or what these, the church at this moment in history are, is this is a collection of the apostles. They were 12. Now, for the moment, they are 11. Uh, of course, this is significant because uh, when, when Jesus called 12 Jewish guys uh, as his apostles, that wasn't supposed to be subtle. Uh, he is reconstituting Israel. He is saying, I'm going to do a new thing. So what, what the book of Acts is all about is the continuing work of Jesus exercised by the disciples, these ones who have been sent out, empowered with the Holy Spirit. And God is still doing that today. Jesus is active today. Being the church, what does it look like for us to be the church? Um, being the church is all about actively participating in God's restoration of all things. What does that look like for you? 
What does it look like when you get up on, a, on tomorrow morning and, and go to do the job that God has called you to do? Maybe you're a teacher, uh, maybe you work in an office, maybe you're a student. Whatever it looks like to be a Christian and to be a member of the church and to go out into the world, it looks like um, actively participating in the restoration of all things um, in your particular context. You know, there's this lie out there that says that only church people are actually doing God's work. That is a vicious and awful lie. God's work looks like all kinds of different things that he's, he calls his people into doing uh, the work of restoration in the here and now. You know, what does that look like? Anything from, from being a teacher to being a business person to be, uh, to be the, an owner of a business, to, and anything. So, continuing in um, Acts 1, uh, verse 6. So, when they had come together, they asked him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And just pause there for a minute. So, Oftentimes, I know I've been guilty, not guilty, of, of, of this, that when I read verse 6 there, when they come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? My first, re- my first thought is to say, like, you know, you dunces. You know, did, don't you realize what Jesus is doing here? Like, th- this is about so much more than the, the restoration or, or, or about... Uh, about, about the, the restoration of this land. It's so much more about the restoration of, of your particular people. What God is about to do, what God is doing, um, as we saw in the Great Commission, which um, is, is a, in, a, in the Matthew tradition, uh, is, is the last words of Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. Like, stop, stop having the narrow-minded view of, of just uh, of, of the nation of Israel about this land. No, actually, the promised land is going to extend to the ends of the earth, and we're going to see that in a minute. So a lot of times we, we think that the, the disciples have lost the, lost the plot here. I mean, but there's a clue in it that I think that maybe, maybe we shouldn't... We should give the, bene- the, 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 the disciples the benefit of the doubt. Because um, we saw in verse 3 that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs and appeared to them during 40 days and spoke with them about the kingdom of God. So these guys had just spent over a month, plus all of the time of the earthly ministry, of Jesus teaching them about the kingdom of God. So I would imagine that they, they, they were probably primed with some pretty good thoughts. So Maybe if we get them the benefit of the doubt, what are they trying to say? What are they asking Jesus about this restoration of Israel? Take a look at Psalm 72. Psalm 72. Maybe this was in their mind. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on moon grass, like showers that water the earth, 
In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and on the needy, and he saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land, and on the tops of the mountains may it wave. May, it be the fruit be, uh, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with the glory. Amen and amen. So if the disciples had this and, and any number of other Old Testament you know, Hebrew passages uh, in, in their head, you, we, we might give them some credit for thinking that God was going to be about the work of restoration for Israel. I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with that. God was in the business of res- restoring Israel. Um, it just might not look exactly the way that they thought. I think that maybe one of the problems is that the disciples at this time um, were so focused on the when. You know, gosh, God, at, at this time, are, are you going to now restore the, 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 the kingdom of Israel? Or are you going to now restore Israel? They, they were so focused on the when that they had lost sight of the what. And one heck of a what is about to come in the next verse. One heck of a what is coming right around the corner, and Jesus has already talked a whole lot about this what that they're going to do, and the what is the gospel. But, but the problem was, and, and heralding the kingdom of God, but the problem was that, that, that they were so focused on the when, when, Lord, when are you going to do this thing the way that I have envisioned it to do, that they have lost sight of the what. They've lost sight of the thing that God was doing in their midst today. And so here's the question for us today. You know, what is it that God is doing that doesn't need to wait? What is the what that doesn't need to wait? So far, so, so often we're so consumed with the when. When, Lord, am I going to get this job? When, Lord, am I going to get um, this education? When am I going to be able to move to this area? When am I going to be able to go to this school? When, 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 is, when, when are things finally going to come around for me, Lord? We get so focused on those when questions that we lose sight of that, that, that God is calling you into a world of life, an abundant life that you don't need to wait one more second for. You are called to live a life of, of abundance. You're called to live a life of gospel. You're called to actively participate in the cosmic resolu- the restoration of all things. You are called to do that right this moment. You don't need to wait one more second. Still, 
it's difficult for us to, to have that moment of, of expectant waiting. And in truth, this entire passage um, is about uh, this, this moment of ex- expectant waiting. And um, I think that one of the things that we should do, one of the things we, if, that, that if you have a when question in your head, if you're trying to figure out, gosh, when, when God, are you going to do this thing that, that I, I believe that you've called me to do? I mean, let's just assume that this is actually something that, that God wants for you, uh, but you're just not sure when this is actually going to happen. I, I think that we have a responsibility to posture ourselves for success. Um, we have a responsibility to, to get in a position as such that when an opportunity comes along, we can see it and we can take advantage of that opportunity uh, as God puts it in our lives. Yesterday, uh, James and I went to the batting cages uh, in Elkridge at uh, Exeter Innings. Um, and the way that it works is you, you go into these batting cages, um, and of course you're, you're, you're hitting balls, uh, and as you hit the balls, the, the balls roll down this little hill, and they go back into the, um, into the conveyor belt, and you have to wait for the ball to kind of go up, back up and get into the machine, and there's several different machines that are there. Um, so it does take a little bit of time, for you to, to not quite know when that ball is going to come. And there's a light, there's a yellow light that comes up that tells you, like, you have six seconds before it's about to, about to throw. But sometimes the, 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 I noticed how the, 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 sorry, the uh, machine, it didn't quite work the way uh, that it was supposed to. Um, and sometimes you're, like, kind of waiting for it, and you're kind of looking. And it was interesting to kind of, like, see, we, we kind of kept looking. Is it, is it about to go? Is it about to go? Oh, gosh, there, there it was, you know? You're holding your bat. The problem was, I, we weren't postured for success, right? We, we had our bat on our shoulder, and we're kind of like, what's going on over there? And oh, when the pitch finally came, we weren't ready for it. So what does it look like for us to posture ourselves for success? To, what does it look like actually to get into the batter's box, to, to, to be thinking about what is my stance? What, what is my position? What, what is the position that I can get in that is going to be most likely, most conducive to me actually hitting this ball? Because me staring at this machine is not conducive to hitting the ball. What am I actually going to be doing? To, what can I actually be doing to, to be thinking about how's my stance? How, 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 how is, my, is my elbow up? Is my bat where it needs to be? Am I thinking about what it's going to take to actually hit this ball? So for us, I think posturing for success, posturing for this opportunity, thinking about the when. Um, there's four things I think that should be on our mind anytime we're kind of posturing ourselves for success. There's the spiritual side, meaning are you prayed up? Are you spending time in the Word? Are you uh, engaging in spiritual disciplines? You know, have you made God a part of this time of expectant waiting? Or have you kind of pushed Him off to the side? Um, so there's the spiritual aspect. There is a physical aspect. Anybody that tells you that the physical health, the physical health and um, taking care of your body isn't a part of your uh, uh, Christianity is, is lying to you, absolutely. The, 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 your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of us have some work to do on that. You know? um, but, but still, the, 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 there, there may be uh, some physical things that you can do to try to get yourself in a, in a healthy position to accept the opportunity when it comes. There's also mental you know, ways that you can sharpen your brain for the moment. I'm waiting for this opportunity to come, so what do I need to do? You know, I've, I've thought about, um, about doing a, a doctor of, of, of ministry, a D-men, um, and my suspicion is that when that, I, I don't know exactly when that's going to come. Maybe it's not going to come at all. But I do know that 
when I do it, uh, it would probably be a good idea for me to know Greek and try to be, be better at Greek. So, you know, actually knowing Greek would probably make me a better preacher anyway, so maybe I should be spending a little bit more time on Greek. So, anyway, is there a thing, is there mentally, are there books that we need to be reading in order to posture ourselves for more success? Or the fourth category, so there's spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional. You know, has my heart, is my heart in the right place? Uh, when's the last time I laid my heart out to a trusted friend? Uh, when's the last time I talked about whether anxiety or depression have found a way into places that it shouldn't or that I need to voice that? You know, um, have, I, have I talked to somebody? Have I talked to somebody that's, that's, that's a trusted friend about that? Or maybe, maybe I need to be thinking about seeing a counselor. These are the kind of things that are going to posture us for success. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is that maybe you're waiting for. But if you are in a season of waiting physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, what are the things that you can do to get into that right batting stance for when the ball does come, it's not going to go right back because here's the what. Here's, here's the big what, right? Here's, here's the, 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 the verse. Acts 1.8 is probably considered to be like the thesis verse of the whole book of Acts. But you, you know, it's not, it's not your time, guys, to know the times and the season. It's not, your, it's not for you to know the times and the season that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you guys, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've already mentioned um, suffering, and that's important. This, this principle of cruciformity is absolutely essential. Conform to the image of the crucified cross. Uh, it conformed to the image of the crucified God, conformed to the image of uh, the God who is a suffering servant in our midst. That's the, the God that we are to model. And so what does it look like for us to have power? It looks like it looks for us to, to serve. What, what, did it look, what did Jesus do with power? He washed the disciples' feet. What did Jesus do with power? He, he went to the cross. He, what did Jesus do with power? Uh, he used it to help the poor. He used it to help um, people who, who needed healing. He used it to minister. And so that's what we're called to do. Um, this is not about authority. Remember, Jesus had already said several times, all authority has been given to me, meaning Jesus. All authority, authority is in God. So this is not about control. This is about something that God is going to do, something explosive that God is going to do through you. The word power is the word dunamis, or dunamis, um, and it's where we get the word dynamite. So God is about the business of doing an explosive thing in your midst today. Not then, we'll get to then sometime, but, but, but today. This is kind of like a, um, a quote from a cheesy power, uh, uh, 80s power ballad. Um, but really, this is what it all comes down to. Uh, the, 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 when, 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 when Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, uh, this is the kind of power that's like um, the power of love over the love of power. This is not about control. We don't get the authority. God's got that. So our responsibility is to surrender selfish authority 
in favor of accepting the responsibility that God has given us to do the work that we're called to do. We're called to be witnesses as well. Well, witnesses of what? Well, again, you don't need... What does it look like to be God's witnesses? First of all, uh, what does it look to be Jesus' witnesses? First of all, um, this is not about... um, um, You notice he didn't say, um, you guys will witness. He says, you will be witnesses. What does it look like to live your life and have the, the idea that I am a witness of Jesus Christ in my heart? And what does that look like for you? You know, in your life. A big question about this is, what has God done for you? What has he done in your family? That's what you guys are called to, to, to bear witness to. You know, it's not like, well, gosh, I, don't, I haven't read the theology textbooks, and I, I really don't know the Bible as well as I should. And, you know, we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but, but no, to be God's witness in the here and now, in your actual context, the context of your life, it just means bearing witness to the things that God has given you. Bearing witness to the blessings that God has given you. You know, for, for us parents, you know, I see God in my kids every day. And so maybe just what a simple thing of what this looks like is bearing witness to others and how richly I've been blessed uh, with my family. How, how richly I've been blessed and how, how I see God active in my marriage, how I see God active with, in the life of my kids. It doesn't need to get any more complicated than that. It, what has God done in your life? That would, that's what it means to be a witness, because God has chosen you. God has chosen us to herald the message of the kingdom, and that has to look like something. It's not, it's not an abstract principle, this idea of the message of the kingdom. No, the kingdom is, is saying something to your heart. It's changing your heart. So what God is about the business of um, he want, in your life, he wants you to be a witness to that. So how will you respond? We see this, uh, we see give Jesus giving them the map, right? Uh, he says that, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which I guess we consider Jerusalem to be like the area they would have expected, right? Judea, the area that's just kind of the larger territory, maybe the area that's just kind of beyond your reach, Samaria, well, that's enemy territory. So I'm, I'm going to be God's witness in, in Samaria, in, in enemy territory. Um, and then to the ends of the earth, basically, you're going to be my witnesses into the unknown. I went to uh, Parkville High School, and um, we actually started a ministry. When I, was a, when I was a senior in high school, we started a, 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 a ministry there. And it's like God was saying, like, yeah, you guys are going to be my witnesses here at this school, and you're going to be my witnesses in the kind of the larger town of Parkville. That makes sense. But then, if if you went to Parkville High School in the late 90s, I don't know, Steve, if this is still a thing, um, but but the the most hated area of town, and apologies for anybody that's from this area of town, I don't really hate you, um, but my goodness, Perry Hall was the enemy. So it would have made a whole lot of sense if, I had, you know, if, we had, if we had gathered people into our little high school after church, after school ministry and, and prayer time, and we would have said, you know, you know, as you're a witness here, you're going to be a witness here in the school. You're going to be a witness in your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But you're also going to be a witness for those people in Perry Hall. Ooh, man. Them? No, no. 
And you're also going to be a witness in all of Baltimore County. The areas that I didn't even know Catonsville existed until I was like 27. So, continuing on, Acts uh, in verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of the sky, uh, took, took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at the heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from, uh, from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The ascension is a doctrine or a, 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 a concept of the ascension, that, that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Uh, is something that has been neglected. This is how we know that God is left-handed, by the way, because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. Yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, try the lamb. Um, the ascension has been a, de- a, a neglected go- doctrine. You know, we, we, we make a huge deal, of course, of the cross, as well we should, and we make a huge deal of the resurrection, as well we should, but the truth is that what we find, the cross and the empty tomb, tell us that Jesus is our Savior and that Jesus is the one in whom we have new life. But with the ascension, we see that he's our Lord as well. He's not just our Savior, he is our Lord. We follow his lead. And the same way that he left, he's coming back. You know. So here's the disciples and they're kind of just like, you know, as we probably would be as well. I mean, if I saw Jesus ascend to the right hand of the Father, disappear into the sky, I probably would be pretty awestruck as well. And, and then these, these, these gentlemen, these angels, these, uh, these two men, you know, stood by them in white robes, that might be angelic language, you know, kind of snap them out of it, you know? And, and maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to be snapped out of it. Because the same way that Jesus went, he's coming back. But, but look around you. Look around you at the plentiful harvest that he, is, that he has left you with. Stop looking into the sky. Stop thinking about the when. Stop thinking about, oh, the things that God might do in my life one day in the, near, in, in, in the distant future. No, you guys have a responsibility in the here and now. Get to work. Towards the end of our time. But I had a, um, a weird dream couple of weeks ago that I want to share with you guys. And anytime I bring up weird dreams, you might be like, oh gosh, we're in for something now. So um, it was here, um, and uh, the room was packed, um, and I had shown up late for church, um, and uh, Mary, polling, um, had uh, decided, this is in a dream, this didn't really happen, um, had, had said that, that she had hired an African worship experience uh, for Sunday morning worship. Um, and so these, these and, and I wasn't a part of a rehearsal. So I come in and I sit down and I'm kind of like, ooh, what, what's going to happen? Like, you know, if this was something, if this, if this works out, you know, this is going to be great. And if it doesn't work out, well, you know, we can just blame Mary. You know, what's Mary done, you know? 
Um, so I'm kind of sitting there, I'm a little nervous, and, and you know, all these guys, and there's like 20 people up here, and the, the guys with robes and, and, and big instruments, and it's really looking cool, like, man, something special is about to happen. And what happens is that they play exactly what you would expect an African worship experience to play. Fooling yourself, the angry young man, by sticks. And they get, you know, if you know the song, get up, get back on your feet, and they're dancing up here, and it's, it's great. You guys are loving it. <laughs> You're like, everybody, you know, you're fooling yourself. You know, it, it's everybody is just, everybody's loving it. And so I wake up from this dream, and I have this song, like, deep in my soul. And it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm wide awake. And I go downstairs in our basement, and I, and I look it up, and I, I say, I've got to hear this song. I mean, I'm not a big Styx fan. It would make sense for me to dream about Led Zeppelin. But, you know, Styx, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's a nice song, but I say, I've got to listen to this song. Maybe God's trying to tell me something through this tune. And here's the, here's the lyrics of the song. You see the world through your cynical eyes. You're a troubled young man, I can tell. You've got it all in the palm of your hand. But your hand's wet with sweat, and your head needs a rest. And you're fooling yourself if you don't believe it. You're kidding yourself if you don't believe it. Why must you be such an angry young man when your future looks quite bright to me? And how can there be such a sinister plan that could hide such a lamb, such a caring young man? You're fooling yourself if you don't believe it. You're kidding yourself. You're, you're killing yourself, he says later in the song, if you don't believe it. Get up. Get back on your feet. You're the one they can't beat, and you know it. Come on. Let's see what you've got. Just take your best shot and don't blow it. I'm sitting there at 5 o'clock in the morning listening to this song in our basement with tears rolling down my face because I feel like I've been reminded by God of this, this, this promise that he made to the disciples that on, the, on this confession that Jesus is the son of the living God, he's going to build the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. The gates of hell won't prevail against what God is doing. About what God has begun here in the beginning of the book of Acts, the gates of hell won't, pre won't prevail against it. Live into that. Don't wait for the, uh, for the when. Get on with the what that doesn't need to wait and get on with it right now. Get up. Get back on your feet. It has been one heck of an awful year for the church. Get up. Get back on your feet. You're the one they can't beat. You know it. God is going to accomplish his ends. God is about the business of cosmic reconciliation. He's called us to actively participate in the restoration of all things, and he's going to get that job done. The question is, are we a part of that? Are we, in, are we participating in that or not? And what this whole series is going to be about is the idea um, that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be the church that he designed us to be. What does that look like today? It might look like 
surrounding yourself with a group. If you're not in a house church, please get into a house church this summer. We're really excited about We're going to actually do uh, Wednesday night fellowship nights here in person. Uh, it's going to be great. You're going to come, and, uh, and we just want people to come and uh, bring, bring food. Maybe we'll do some food here, maybe like a potluck or something like that. I don't know. But it's just going to be a time of fellowship and time of, of regathering as a church. You know, um, maybe it's time for you to step up and serve on a team. Maybe it's time for you to, to get serious about, about offering, about giving joyfully. And maybe it's time to think about how you're investing in the life of the church, how you're inviting others to be a part of it. Um, this is, these are the kind of things of what we call full engagement. What does it look like to be fully engaged in the life of the church? Get in a group, serve on a team, give joyfully, invest and invite. Because that's what we're called to be. We're called to be the church. And one of the most uh, crucial, fundamental ways that we remind ourselves what it means to be the church um, is to take communion together, which we're about to do in a minute. Um, and so I will actually uh, remind you that uh, if, if you didn't get, there's uh, little cups that are in the back. Um, and um, our communion table at New Hope is open to all to call upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, and I just remind you that there is room for everyone at the Lord's table. There is room for all, um, that, that, that we are not only called to come to the Lord's table, we're, we're called to bring others. We're called to bring others in. And so that's my prayer um, as we think about investing and inviting into, in, investing in our church, that we would continue to grow this community, get back on our feet, because, because the church the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You're the one they can't beat, and you know it.